multiple weeks and it's good to have you back. The roof is not going to fall in, amen? We don't think it is, all right? We are having some building issues here, but not those kind of issues. Uh, I will address that uh, at the end of the service. But for now, open back up in your copy of God's precious word to Psalm 119. And as Chuck said earlier, we're going to start with verse 41, excuse me. And we are actually going to look through three of the Hebrew letters today. We're going to be looking at three of the Hebrew alphabet stanzas. So 41 to 48, 49 through 56, and then 57 through 64. And I know that sounds like a daunting task, but we can do it. Amen? We can do it. It may take us six hours, but no, it won't take us that long. But we, we will do it. We'll do it in a normal time. Normal time, somewhat, I would say. But I want to encourage you to open that um, copy up of your, your copy of God's Word. Open up the Scriptures. Turn there. Uh, this will be on the screen as well, but I would encourage you also to use your Bible, always. It helps us to find our place. It helps us to begin to, to build uh, memory uh, uh, receptors, I guess, of where we turn to these different books of the Bible, right? Uh, some of us have those little tabs at the end, and it helps us to find them easier. Some of them have very, very lovely decorative tabs, right? Miss uh, Tessa's got uh, some nice ones that match the cover of her Bible. Uh, that's all good and fine, but the more we turn back and forth, the better we'll be at finding and remembering God's Word ourselves. Amen? And so I don't know about you, but I'm getting older. And so uh, uh, the older I get, the harder it gets to remember things. My rememberer doesn't remember as much as it used to remember. And so uh, I try to exercise my rememberer, that's my brain, uh, every chance I get. So I hope that you'll do that as well. And uh, sadly, if you're like me, you probably remember more song lyrics from your generation of your teen years. For me, it was the 80s, right? And I could probably still quote to this day, I'm not proud of this, but I bet I could quote, you could probably name a song by The Cure, and I could probably quote all the lyrics because that's the music I listened to in the 80s. I know you're, you're begin thinking some strange things about me now, and it's fair. It is fair. I was a strange fella back then. I'm a strange fella right now. Okay, so anyway, uh, but I can still remember those song lyrics. I can remember George Strait's song lyrics from those days. See, that's a, that's a world of difference musically. I, I get that. But I wish that my mind would remember the word of the Lord as easy as it did remembering song lyrics back then. And so we sing words from the scripture that helps us. Amen. It's easier when you put it to music. Uh, but the more we're in it, the better it's going to be for us. So I just, again, encourage you to work your brain out in remembering this word. And in saying that, let me just say again, I know a number of our ladies and some of the men as well, you're using that, that great system of memory where you're writing a verse on your hand, but not the whole verse. You're writing just the first letter of every word in that verse or that set of verses on your hand, and it's helping you to remember those verses. How many of you are doing that right now still? Raise your hand up. Let, let people see around. That's a great practice to help remember. So again, all you're doing is writing the first letter of every word in that verse and then the address of the verse on your hand or your forehead, wherever you need to you know, write it. Um, some of our hands are bigger than others, maybe so you need to use your arm or something too. But it just helps us to remember God's Word. There's more information about that on our website under some of the Bible Study Helps pages, all right? So you can see about Scripture memory as well. Now, with all of that long introduction, that's six minutes. So that doesn't count against me yet, Mr. Mike. We are starting from right now with the sermon. Okay, it does count. All right, it does count. 
All right, I'll, I'll see what I can shave off here. But beginning with each of these stanzas, beginning at verse 41, I want us to look at one key idea in each of these three stanzas. And all of these, I, I believe, go together very well. This entire uh, psalm was written by one author. Again, I've told you that I believe it was Daniel the prophet. Um, there's some debate. We don't know it was an autograph. But the last message that I share, I'm going to give you the reasons that I think Daniel wrote this. Uh, I think from stanza to stanza, there are some clues that kind of trigger. It was at least someone during that day of captivity. But again, that's just me. However, we're going to look at three of these that go very well together. Again, all of them go together because one author, but these three just build one upon the other. So I want us to remember three key things today. And the first one is this, that the Lord loves. So what should we do in response to that? We should contemplate God's love. Now, contemplation is not mystical, right? Contemplation is just us dwelling. We've already discovered how we're to meditate upon God's Word. So when we talk about contemplation, we're saying something very similar to the ideal of meditation that we've already studied. Meditation, biblically, is not the emptying of our minds. That's Eastern mysticism. You see that in Hinduism and in other Eastern cults and false religions. Um, but we're not talking about emptying of ourselves. We're talking about filling our mind with God's Word and then ruminating over that Word over and over and over again. Amen? That's biblical meditation. It's even contemplation. And so we want to contemplate God's love. Look at verses 41 and 42. As we talk of growing in our relationship with God, and that's really the theme of these three stanzas, we're going to see here that really the purpose of our study in God's Word is not to fill our minds with more knowledge, I mean, we have knowledge. We have a lot of knowledge that we don't act upon, though. Amen? We probably know more of God's Word than we are living of God's Word. And so the real purpose of studying God's Word is that it changes us, that it affects how we live. Amen? We want it to affect us because that's the design. And so we want it to change our lives according to His Word. So look at these first two verses. May your loving kindness also come to me, O Yahweh. Lord, all caps, that's Yahweh. So O Lord, O Yahweh. Your salvation according to your word. So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. So the ideal here in these next three stanzas we're going to see is that there's opposition. Again, we've been seeing remnants of that already. But there's opposition that's coming to the psalmist. And he wants God's loving kindness. He wants the salvation of the Lord to be his according to the word of the Lord so that he can give an answer for those who come against him. Something very similar that we see in the book of 1 Peter. If you want to turn there, at least just write this down. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15, um, 14 and 15 that will be enough for today. 14 and 15. But First Peter, written to those who are suffering, he says this, he says, But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Now let me just pause for a second and say, some of us suffer for some other reasons as well. Sometimes we suffer from our own bad decisions and choices, right? And so that's on us. We need to repent and change, amen? This is suffering for the name of Christ, what's in view here. So even if you should suffer... For the sake of righteousness, you are blessed, and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense, and that is to give an apologia, an apologetic, to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness 
and reverence. And then he continues on from there. But the ideal is the same as the psalmist is saying. The psalmist says, I want to know your loving kindness, the gracious, merciful love that God bestows upon his people. That's why he says, comma, your salvation. He's talking about the same thing. His loving kindness is his salvation in this context. And so he wants it to come to him according to the word so that he can have an answer for those who reproach him. And he says, I trust in your word. So the question is, do we trust God's word like that? Probably all of us Christians might say, yes, I do sometimes. Maybe even oftentimes. But we must trust all the time, amen? In sickness and health, poverty and wealth, it sounds like marriage vows, right? That's where I drew that from. But that is what we're doing when we come to Christ. We are entering into a marriage covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. We become the bride. And for us macho men, well, for you macho men, right? That sounds odd to be called the bride of Christ. But that's what the scriptures call us, amen? We're the bride of Christ if we're a Christian. And so, verse 43, he says, and in context, he's still praying here to the Lord. So, Lord, do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for your ordinances. Now, notice these next three verses. So I will keep your law continually forever and ever. And so, that's in context, I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. And so I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. So what he is saying here is that he wants the Lord's truth to be in him, to be in his mouth, upon his mouth. And he says, I will wait for your ordinances, for your word. He says, I'm waiting on your word. I want it. I want it to be in my mouth, on my lips. And here's why. He will keep the law. He will walk at liberty, and he will speak the testimonies of God. Do we do these things today? Well, we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. That's right. The law of Christ, though, we could still say that we are under. Amen. And that would mean that we walk in holiness according to the law of Christ. Amen. And that's what the Old Testament laws were pointing to, obviously. And so we're able to keep God's commandments. I know that you don't do that perfectly yet. I know that I don't do that perfectly yet. But we strive to do so. Amen. Amen. In Christ, we are doing just that. We're striving toward holiness. The Bible calls it sanctification. And so every day we're working with the Lord, with His Spirit in us, with His Word through us, right? To us and through us and in us. We're working in tandem together with the Lord's Spirit and His Word to become more and more like Christ. That is the goal for all of us in Christ. Amen? And so we study the Word so that we can become more like Jesus. And we contemplate on God's love so that we can become more like Jesus. Really just summarizing verses 43 through 46, the ideal is that we keep the Word, right? And in doing so, as we keep the Word, He will keep us always prepared for our daily walk and our daily talk. Now, a lot of us would probably say, my walk's good. My little feet take me only where they're supposed to go, but sometimes my mouth gets away from me. Anybody relate? Anybody? All right, some of us are honest here. The rest of us, we're praying for you. That probably happens to all of us, right? But we want the Word to so affect us that our walk and our talk all reflect holiness of Christ. Amen? That's the desire. And so we strive for that. We labor for that. And what's the truth? What's going what's gonna to make this real for us is the Word of God. And so we contemplate on it. And the motivation for us is to think, to consider, to ruminate, to meditate, to contemplate, to play over and over in our mind how much Christ loves us. What God the Father did for us in giving Jesus the Son. 
Amen. And I can't wait until um, Good Friday coming up uh, March 29th. Is that right, Brandon? March 29th, I believe. Um, yeah, the 31st is Easter Resurrection Sunday this year. So on the 29th, we're going to do a two-hour time of worship and study upon the cross of Christ, what He has done for us. 7 to 9 p.m., Lord willing, to be out in the foyer here, and, uh, and that'll bring us to a good place to be ready to worship on Resurrection Sunday. So I would just encourage you, we're going to contemplate the Lord's love. We're even going to share together in the Lord's Supper that night in a more intimate fashion even than we do on Sunday mornings. I love what Warren Wiersbe said in his commentaries. Now, I believe he's right. He said this, quote, Our lives speak for the Lord if our walk agrees with our talk. Otherwise, we're a contradiction. Amen? I've been a contradiction before. You've probably been a contradiction before. I pray we won't be again. Amen? I pray that our lives and our words line up with the truth of the Scripture. We need that. We need that together from one another. The world needs to see that in the church. Amen? This world is in the predicament it's in because the church is in the predicament that it is in. And I mean the church across this nation, the church across this world. We export so much false religion from the American church today. It's sad. The health and wealth and prosperity, the false teachings that they penetrate, or penetrate, that they perpetrate. It's penetrated so many reaches. God has not promised us all physical health every day of our lives. He has not promised us all millions of dollars if we just give seed offerings, right? Right? But He's promised to give us everything we need for life and godliness. And He does bless us so that we can bless others. So the question is, do we understand God's Word rightly? Are we meditating, contemplating, ruminating, all of these things? Does our life match up with what we profess it's time that the, that the church here in America begins to care more about holiness than we do about politics. And listen, I love politics. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. I don't love politics. I don't. I don't love politics. How can I say this? Um, what is it? It's a love-hate. Whoever said that, that's right. It's a love-hate relationship. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Uh, sometimes I love it, sometimes I don't, and most times I don't. Uh, I like to discuss it. I don't like to discuss it up here very often, but sometimes I do. Uh, I think it is necessary. Uh, however, I think that, sadly, the American church member spends more time worrying about who's going to be elected than they do about personal holiness. And I think if the church was more vested in personal holiness, that we would begin to elect the right person or persons, don't you think? I think, it would, I think that the more we focused on the gospel and live, sharing the gospel, making disciples and walking in holiness, which is part of what we do as a church, right? I think the more vested we are in that and the American church, the more vested the American church is in those things, that education, politics, those things will begin to solve themselves because the people will be holy. Amen? So let's focus where we need to. Let's let our walk and our talk agree. So verse 47 Notice what he says in 47 and 48. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. He loves God's commands. Do we? Because he is loved by God, we saw at the beginning of this stanza, he is going to love the Word of God. He's going to love the commands of God. Now, I confess that when I'm breaking a commandment, when I'm sinning in my walk... I'm not so keen on that commandment in that moment. How about you? It's probably true of all of us, right? 
And when someone thankfully comes alongside and says, hey, Brother Kevin, do you realize that your attitude in this situation is sinful? Well, I do now. Ah, thank you, brother, right? That's a love-hate relationship again that you spoke of. But of course we want to be called out when we err, amen? So that we can confess it and be right with God once again, amen? Folks, listen, if we don't want to be corrected, that is a sin issue. That is a heart issue, amen? And so, do we really love God's commands? Do we delight in God's word? Do we love God's word? I pray that we do. And in these verses, this stanza through verse 48, as we're told to contemplate on God's faithful love, we're reminded that he will equip us then for any challenges that come our way. That's the idea. God, there's some people coming against me, but I meditate upon your word. I'm ruminating, I'm contemplating your law, your teachings, so that I can live by them. I pray that's true of us. Secondly, the next stanza we see this idea through verse 56, that the Lord comforts so we should celebrate the Lord's comfort. How many of you love to be comforted? I confess, right? Us manly men, we like to be pampered sometimes too with comfort. But there is no comfort like the comfort of the Lord. And He comforts us not just through His Spirit and some feeling, but He comforts us through His Word and the truth. Folks, our feelings lie to us oftentimes, do they not? But His truth remains. Amen? And so even when my feelings are wishy-washy and not sure of where they land, I know I can land upon God's Word. And so find comfort and celebrate in the comfort that comes from the Lord and His Word. Here we see that the writer is again being harassed and hounded. So look at the next two verses, 49 and 50. He says, Remember the word to your servant. The Lord has declared certain things to be true of those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. So the psalmist says, Hey God, remember. Now, let me just quiz you real quick. Ready? Pop quiz. The last two Wednesday nights, we've had some very good quizzes. This one won't be as, as nearly as difficult. It's going to be painful, but not nearly that painful, okay? So, so what is this quiz? Do we have to remind God of anything? Yes or no? No. But do you realize we see this throughout the Psalms especially, where the writers are reminding God of things? Do you know who that's really for? Who, who are they really reminding? Us. God remembers, but we come alongside Him and we agree with Him. We walk in tandem with Him and His truths and what He said. And so He says, Lord, remember Your Word to Your servant in which I have made my hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that Your Word has revived me. You know that last song we sang, that last hymn? I love that. It's to the, uh, the New Year's Eve right tune, right? That Whatever it's called, I just drew a blank there. Um, but it sounds familiar for that reason. But those words, they move me in a good way. They move me, right? They, they encourage me. They inspire me. They help me to turn from earthly things. They help me to turn my, my gaze heavenward and trust in the Lord. I, I screenshotted the words a few moments ago during our time of worship, and, and, and I hope that wasn't a distraction to you, but it, it just I, I wanted just to recall some of those lines. As we prepare... Um, uh, uh, where, where's it at? Uh, I lost it. There it goes. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house in vain, the builders strive. Do we really believe those things as we sing them? Or are we trying to build things upon the sand here? Am I trying to build some legacy in my name, my family name, the ministry, my ministry? It's not my ministry. It's not our ministry. It is about the Lord. Amen? 
And so it, it, it's like in uh, Acts chapter 13, I believe it's verse 36 or 38, where it's said of David, the, the, the Luke, the author of the book of Acts, says of David that it was said he served God's purpose in his generation and he went to sleep. Believers in the Lord go to sleep in the Lord, right? The enemies of the Lord die, okay? But we just simply go to sleep. We wake up in a new reality, the presence of God. How glorious a thought is that, amen? Amen? This should encourage us to look heavenward, not to build upon the sand here, not to invest, I mean, our time, our talents, our treasures in things that just will not last. We don't take it with us. What do we take? Our walk with Christ and the gospel that we share with others, seeds of that gospel planting go with us into eternity as well. We'll talk more about that as we make our way through here over the next few weeks. There's some remnants of that ideal here in the psalm even. But he says, let living water satisfy the thirsty without price. I am physically thirsty right now, but I don't want water. It reminds me, as I'm even saying this, that Christ is the living water. Amen? I thirst for glory. My body gives out. I'm doing things to be more healthy now and praise God for the knowledge we've been learning and the helps that have been coming our way so that I can be more effective in ministry and what I'm called to do here. But praise God for eternity. That's what I live for. All glory be to Christ our King. I got a promotion. All glory be to Christ our King. I was fired. All glory be to Christ our King. Amen? In good days and bad days, in sickness and health, in poverty and wealth, all of those things, glory be to Christ. Behold, our God shall live with us and be our steadfast life, and we shall ere his people be all glory be to Christ. I want to just break out in song right now, but I'm going to spare you that. The words are rich, so he comforts us with his word. The psalmist says, remember me. Your word is hope and comfort, hope and comfort. I think we could all use a little bit of that right now. Amen? I think our country needs a lot of that right now. Our political system needs a lot of comfort and hope right now. But it's not in a political party. It's in Jesus Christ the Lord and His Word. So be comforted. He goes on to say, The arrogant utterly deride me. So again, here he is. He's being harassed. He's being derided. He says, Yet I do not turn aside from your law. While others ridicule him, while they deride him, he remembers God's word. It gives him comfort. It gives him hope. May it do the same thing for us. Amen. He says, I have remembered your ordinances from old, O Lord, and comfort myself. I comfort myself. I'm comforted. Oh, self, you're comforted. It's not that simple. He comforts himself in the word of God. Amen. That's where our hope is. And again, if we're memorizing it, we're storing it up in our hearts, even better for us when we run into trouble. I've remembered your ordinances. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Now notice, really, as he says, verse 53, we need to, about the opposition, we need to, we need to recognize verse 54 is like a however or a but right there. He says, all of this bad is coming. However, your word is the song in my house of pilgrimage. So we remember God's words of comfort. When others are against us, we sing to the Lord. We sing to the Lord. A new song, amen? A new song. A heavenly tune unto the Lord, filled with truth. And just remember from our 
our, our studies here, I guess uh, maybe Sunday nights, these past few Sunday nights, as we, as we noticed uh, what it means to be um, filled with the Spirit and what it means to be uh, filled with the Word and how Paul uses one phrase in the book of Ephesus, one phrase in the book of Colossians, but he uses them in the exact same way. To be filled with the Word of God, to be filled with the Spirit, those things are the same. The ideal, the effects are the same. So as we fill ourselves with God's Word, His Spirit is um, filling in our lives. We're being controlled by His Word and His Spirit, and so we find our comfort there. So we remember the Lord. We remember His name. Thus we keep His Word and we obey His Word. Verse 55, O Lord, I remember Your name in the night. I keep Your law. So if we know it, we're responsible to obey it. Amen? There's no room, there's no excuse for saying, yeah, I hear what you're saying, that's true, I read it, it is true, but. There's no room for that kind of but in the church, amen? There's no room for that. There's no excuse, there's no argument, there's no debate. I remember your name in the night, I keep your law. This has become mine that I observe, your precepts. Do you notice what he says? He says, I own it. I'm responsible, I own it. This has become mine. And so it's not just my responsibility, it's my life. It's God's Word, our life. This psalm is rich. It's rich. And so my question again is, do we know God's Word? Do we delight in God's Word? Have we made it our own? Do we obey it? Last thing. Look at this last stanza. The Lord delivers, so I concentrate on God's presence. And I don't mean God's presence in any kind of mystical way, right? I'm not talking about the, the hair on our arms standing up because of, you know, some feeling. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about focusing and concentrating on God in a way that we don't typically do. Notice what the psalmist says. He's going to explain it for us. Trouble's continuing. We're not promised an easy life here. In fact, what, what, what did Jesus say? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have what? Overcome the world. So we're going to have trouble in this world. He told his disciples. So Christian, we were not guaranteed. We're not guaranteed our best life now. That's garbage theology. I'm sorry, it's garbage theology from an ill-equipped theologian, okay? From an unqualified theologian. Unqualified, ungodly, false. We've been told that we will have trouble, but Jesus has overcome. So what do we do? We turn to Jesus. Amen? We trust in Jesus and his word. So 57, the Lord is my portion. He's my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I have sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. Do you know oftentimes so many in the church act as if we're entitled to all of God's blessings? Now, we are entitled to his blessings, but far be it from us to act as if we're entitled. There's a difference, amen? The promises of God are ours, and they're yes and amen in Christ. We see that in Scripture. But when we begin to, in a braggadocious fashion, you know, claim these things in such a way that is, that is boastful and arrogant and deriding to others, and I've seen it, I've heard it, Turn on TBN or TikTok or wherever all the false teachers are streaming these days, right? We, we've undermined the very saving principle that, that God has given to us. 
So he says, the Lord is my portion. I am seeking, I have sought your favor with all of my heart. What he's saying is, I'm not taking it for granted. I'm seeking your favor, Lord God. I want to be right with you. I want to obey. I want to understand. I want to live according to your word, your testimonies, your precepts, your law. And I'm going to seek your favor as I'm doing those things. That's active. Folks, walking with Christ, do you realize God does all the work in saving us? We agree, right? By grace through faith, we respond. But again, by grace through faith, the credit's God's. Amen? It's monergistic. It means it's solely God's doing, enabling even our saving. But do you know that we do play a part in our sanctification? We work with God. And you could even dangerously, carefully say in a synergistic fashion for our sanctification. Is that fair? Is that accurate? I'm not working for my salvation. I'm working out my salvation. Does that make sense? And the scriptures call us to do that over and over. That's the heart, I believe, behind this stanza. God, I'm seeking your favor. I'm seeking your guidance, your direction, your will. I want the good promises you have for me, but I'm working to obey your law. I'm working to obey your precepts. Does that make sense? That's the ideal even in the New Testament where we see that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for, but to work out. I add nothing to my salvation except the sin that damns me. That's just true for all of us, amen? But thank God for Jesus. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. Amen? And so, even though things are hard, the psalmist continues to trust and obey. For there's no other way. I just thought of that. We should have sang that today, right? Trust and obey, there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus is trust and obey. So he goes on to say in verse 59, I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. When we're confronted with our sin, do we quickly seek to uh, repent and turn from our sin? This Wednesday night, Brother Brock's going to be, Brother Brock, hey, Brother, I did it again. Brock, Brother Brock, that's true, you're my brother. Brother Brock is going to be sharing uh, what biblical repentance is. We've been going through a lot of things about soteriology, about the doctrines of our salvation. And so this week, we happen to be talking about repentance. And it's two-pronged, if I can just quickly kind of give a quick overview. It's not just turning from, but it's also turning to. Both of those aspects are involved in biblical repentance. And we see that ideal here. I, I just love the sovereignty of God and the omniscience of God how he lines up all of these things. I'm not that smart to, to work out all of these, the timing of all of these sermons. I'm not. You know better, right? But the Lord, praise God for his omniscience. I love how he puts all these things together just when we need them. But he says, I consider my ways and turn my feet to your testimonies. So in doing that, he turns from his sin to the word of God. Amen? Amen? Do we do that readily? Are we quick to do that? Are we quick to obey? Are we quick to turn from sin, to repent, and to begin walking with God? If we're not quick to do it, there's a problem. There's a disconnect between what we say and who we really are. And we need to deal with that, amen? We need to deal with that. So, he reflects on his ways, and he asks, basically, any sin to confess? Any guilt? How often do we do that? I hope it's not only when someone confronts us with their own sin. I hope that we are daily reflecting upon our own walk. Amen? Lord, is there any unclean way in me? It's, it's, it's more fun. I get it. It's more fun to pray something like this. Lord, 
I see a lot of unclean ways in Chris Wagner, for example. Just playing, brother. <laughs> Just playing. All right? Lord, I see a lot of unclean ways in Brock Dumasnil. I see a lot of unclean ways in Pete Quast. Oh, God, help him. We pray those kind of things very readily, don't we? But how often do we say, Lord, is there any unclean way in me? Lord, I was angry this morning wrongly. Lord, and Chris pointed it out to me. They're going to make you the good guy now, all right? I was impatient with my wife this morning, and, and she pointed it out to me with a look, right? Thank you for that look, right? Thank you, right? What, that's just an example, obviously. But are we, are we seeking to be holy, to be sanctified moment by moment, day after day? And because that happens throughout the day, right? I, I, I'm trying to think now, and, and, and let me be honest, I don't recall any outright sins that I committed yesterday, but I bet if I pressed my wife, she could help me out with, with identifying a few. Can you think of anything? I'm, I'm going, all right, whew, all right. I walked in holiness for one day out of the year. Okay, all right, good. I, I'm sure there was a bad attitude somewhere. In fact, I just remembered something. So hold on a second. Father, forgive me. I did, I just remembered I had a bad attitude for just a slight moment with somebody. And Pete, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't you. I'm just playing. All right. It wasn't you. All right, it was Ricky. Ricky, I'm so sorry, Mr. Ricky. No. But I did. I just remembered something. So, but moment by moment, are we, are we self-reflecting? We reflect upon God's Word. And I don't mean self-reflecting as in a self-actuation, new age, touchy-feely kind of way. I mean, are we comparing our walk with the Word of God? If we are, we should every day be repenting of our errors. Amen? So this guy not only does that. Notice what he says, verse 61. And I, I, I'm going to bring us to a close here. He says, the cords of the wicked have encircled me. I feel that way sometimes. I don't know if you do, um, but I, I do. Maybe our workplace, I know some of you work like in public sector some, like in retail in different, play, different places like that. And, and I know the public is horrible, right? We're horrible when we go out of, you know, into the world. Uh, even Christians, sadly, sometimes can be that way. Uh, I, I remember here, I'm just going to age myself. I remember working at Kmart years ago. And uh, my mom was one of the original ones to help open the store. It was 1978, if memory serves. Is that correct? And then about 86, I began to work there through about Miss Becky Mazzola was there uh, very early on. Uh, at least the year 2021 20, or something like that. No, no, I'm just picking. But very early on, uh, that's where I met the Mazzolas uh, through, through, um, uh, through, through our days at Kmart together. But I remember, and how many of you remember, the, remember this? And you're going to date yourself too here, so I'm going to watch. How many of you remember the blue light special? All right. Now, now hold it up for a second. Now I want you to look around. There are no, there's no one under like 25 or so, maybe 30 even, uh, with their hand up. Okay, you can put your hands down. So I didn't mean to call you out with your age there, okay? I, I don't mean any ageism here. But the blue light special was this marketing. And I, it, was, it was great. It was clever. Uh, but I grew to loathe the blue light special. Because there was a period of time when I worked in the toy department. And at Christmas time, and again, I'm going to date myself here, but do you remember Cabbage Patch dolls? Okay, so we received a shipment of Cabbage Patch dolls. And... Uh, Mr. Giblin at that time, I still remember him. He was from up north. He goes, hey, guys, I can still remember his accent. I can't imitate it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, it just kind of comes out. Hey, guys, uh, me and Joe Walsh, you know, we're like this. He used to tell us his Joe Walsh stories all the time. But anyway, Mr. Giblin said, we've got a shipment, a case of Cabbage Patch dolls. It was a couple days before Christmas. Let's turn on the blue light. You go man it. You can handle this. Great. 
I'm like, okay, sounds fun, sounds exciting. So we get over there, and I've barely got situated and set up, and I've got the blue light little machine. It was like about a two-by-two, two, maybe a little cube with a pole and a flashing blue light on it. Blue light, all right? Literal. It was legit. And before I could even get completely set up, he has the front service desk personnel say, blue light special now going on in the uh, toy department, cabbage patch dolls or whatever the, the sale was going to be. And I mean, before I could even swallow... I was mobbed by women, all right? I mean, these women, they were ruthless. I mean, I was like gasping for air. Camden, I was like trying to crawl up onto the blue light pole. It was so bad. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's true. I stood that thing up, and I said, stop it. I was just yelling. I'm sure I was all beat up in my clothes. Or, no, it wasn't that bad, but it was, it was pretty rough, all right? It was pretty rough. I was disheveled. My hair was all messed up, you know? They literally mauled me. So I understand working with the public, okay? And maybe I need to pray about my attitude right now because I just, I just felt sin in my heart even when I remembered that. But we can be so unkind, can we not? We can be so quick to respond in our flesh if we're not careful. That's all that blue light special was pointing to. That was a long way of getting around back to that, right? But as Christians... As we come in into view of God's Word and our own sinful estate and how much He does as we reflect upon our way, even though people are around us, are we quick to repent? Even though our enemies press in, are we quick to seek holiness and righteousness and to resolve whatever situation we may find ourselves in as amicably, amicably excuse me, as we can on our part? Does that make sense? Are we striving to be clean, to have clean hands and a pure heart? Or do we seek revenge? I mean, I was ready to, to grab all of the toy guns and knives off of the shelves there and go after some people. But revenge is mine, says the Lord, not the pastor, right? We don't seek revenge. And so notice, notice what he does. He says, at midnight, I shall rise and give thanks. And again, the cords of his enemies, I mean, he's entangled, but he gets up in the middle of the night because of his righteous ordinances. I give thanks. And then notice this next verse. This is so important, 63. I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. You know, I'm just, I just remembered um, Thomas Martin and Matt Harris were two employees there. They actually rescued me during the blue light fiasco. They did. They, they were over in electronics and sporting goods, and they heard me scream and came running. I just remember that. Good, I hadn't thought about these guys in a while. Thomas Martin and Matt Harris. Some of you may know them. Uh, some of you work for them, actually, I, 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 or have worked for them in the past. But those two men, thank you, Lord, for those tall men, normal-sized men, right? Um, anyway, I, I worked in the toy department because I looked like I belonged in the toy department. Anyway, all right. So... Sorry, that was a good laugh. That was a nice hearty laugh. All right. I'll be here all day, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. It's not about the humor. I'm glad we can laugh, though. It is good to laugh. But the point is, the point is, do we have, notice, companions of all those who fear you? These two young men at the time helped rescue me, right? And saved me from sinning or vengeance during that time. But do we have those around us who encourage us and implore us on to love and good deeds? We need that, right? Trouble comes. Do we have 
a teammate? Do we have a posse? Do we have a crew? Do we have partners in the Lord that walk with us? If not, it's not just their fault. It's also our fault. Amen? I'm responsible for surrounding myself. He says, I am a companion of all those who fear me. He doesn't say, where are all the people that are supposed to come help me? He is the companion. Do you see that? I have to be actively responsible and involved. Am I surrounding myself with godly men and women to help me become more godly? And notice how this closes out this section. The earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Again, that word, he started with it uh, at the beginning of verse 41. May your loving kindness, your salvation, O Lord. And now he says, he says, the earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord, O Yahweh. But notice, it's not just God is love, love, love. Notice what he ends this stanza with. He says, the earth is full of your loving kindness, but notice how he says it. Teach me your precepts. It's not just that God is love, God is love, God is love. It's that God is love and he has a word for us to know and live by. Amen? And so we can't just give a half gospel. That God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, the way many ministries do. That's not loving to say unless we call people to repentance because of sin. Amen? The whole gospel message involves the sinful and wicked estate of humanity apart from Christ and the gospel that's so loving and gracious and merciful. Amen? It's all of those things. So I, I so appreciate what Charles Spurgeon said. He said this, quote, Those who have God for their portion long to have him as their teacher. Moreover, those who have resolved to obey are most eager to be taught. So let me ask you, it's time to meddle. Are you eager to be taught? Are you eager to obey God's word? When what I believe and think about God and his word and about how I'm supposed to live, when it comes into conflict with God's clear teaching through his word, am I quick to change what I do and what I say and how I live? Or do I make excuses? God's word must mean something else in that case. Because I believe this. Folks, I believe is, is damaging if it doesn't match this, amen? It has to line up with God's word. So, is God your portion? Can I, can I just say this? And I, and I don't mean to be silly, but it's a, it's a good illustration. I love my wife. I probably don't tell her enough. Probably don't show her enough, but I love her. I think she's beautiful. We've got a new nickname for her. Can I say it? It's, it's okay to say I don't remember how it came up, but between me and Brent and Corey on a trip, the four of us went out to Quest to kind of do a pre-inspection of camp for the summer. And at some point, the silver fox rose to the silver fox. That's what I call her now. She's my silver fox. And so thank you, Lord, for the silver fox. Sounds like a, a superhero or something, right? But she is super to me. And, and look, my face is getting red. I think I'm getting embarrassed just now that I've said that out loud. Sorry. Your face is a little red too, though. All right. But, 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 but here, here's the point. Here, here's, there really is a point here. Let me see if I can get back to it. Wow. Whoo. Lord. Yeah. Here. Let, Katie, Katie, Katie Mulholland got, bought me a gift. She bought me a bacon um, eyeglass cleaner. So, you know how the TV preachers, glory, right? Yeah, I, I need to actually just like wipe the sweat for real, okay? So, not a TV evangelist. That's not what I'm going for here. But I'm literally sweating here right now. So, the silver fox. So, I mean, I, I like that nickname for her, all right? You know, she's great. She's silver-headed. I mean, that's, the, that's what it is. And she's beautiful. So, the silver fox. 
Look at you, young man. You're thinking. You're like, hmm. All right, good, good. Take notes. I mean, I'm scoring so many brownie points right now. Take notes. You need to write that down. Put it in your phone right now. Put it in your phone. All right. You're, you're thinking you're going to remember, but you're going to be too old to remember one day. It's just, just messing with you. But folks, and, and if you're married, maybe you remember this. If you're newly married, surely you got this right. Do you get that excited about your spouse? Do they know it? Do they see it? I know, you know, what is it? Familiarity breeds contempt oftentimes, right? We begin to take one another for granted. Sometimes when we're away, it helps us to realize, right, what we missed, what we are missing out on. I, I, I get all that. But I love, I love my wife. And I want to just say that. Uh, we just had Valentine's Day. So again, brownie points, hey? But I love her. I don't, and I don't tell her enough. I don't show her enough. She takes care of me. She's, she's been my provider like physically because of my illness for the last 14 years. So thank you. Thank you. She's my helpmate. She's my partner. But she is not the Lord. And she should not have first place in my life. Do you understand that? As much as I love the silver fox, she's number two behind the Lord God. She has to be. And some days, I confess, some days I get that out of whack. Do you know some days as parents, some days we elevate our children to the rightful place that belongs to the Lord. Are you, are you, have you ever been guilty of that? Sometimes we, are, we, are, we give our kids everything they want and we fail to discipline the way they need to be disciplined. That's real love, is it not? To discipline them in the Lord. But the Lord is to be first. He is our portion. And He's the only one that can fill that role. A spouse is a gift from God, but does not fill the first, the first role. It has to be the Lord, amen? And, and, and young people, listen, kiddos, teenagers especially, you young ladies, young men, folks, no, no, hey, I'm going to talk to y'all. Peyton, look up here. Addie? No. Uh, Addie? Yeah, your daddy said, listen, Addie, no boy will ever be first. He can't fill that role. He can't. Hey, young men, no woman, no woman. If my eyesight was better, I'd call you all by name right now. There's Abby, okay, I see a few of you. All right, Isaiah, Camden up there, several of you I see. All right, a girl, a guy will never be first. Never. It has to be the Lord. He's the only one that can fill that role. Amen? So he's to be our portion. We must be quick to obey, quick to repent, quick when we're confronted with sin. We need to be very teachable. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to pray with me for a moment. And, and, and just in quiet retrospection here, quiet reflection upon the Word, quiet, prayerful countenance, are you teachable? Am I teachable? Does God's word have a rightful place in my life, in my walk? Do my words and my walk line up? If not, would you confess right now where you sit or stand? Oh God, forgive me. Have mercy on me, Lord. Help me not to get in my own way. May your word be ever before me. May I love your word, your law, your testimonies, your commandments. May I cling to this word as a life preserver in the middle of the sea. And may the relationships even that you've blessed me with fall into their proper place. You, God, my spouse, my children, my church family, friends, all of those other things fallen into place. Oh, God, make us 
holy. We confess the sin that you're bringing to remembrance even now, Lord. And Father, we pray that if there be any here today who realize because of your Holy Spirit's conviction, they realize that they have never been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. Would you bring them to the place of repentance? That they would cry out, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. Save me from my sins, Lord. I confess I can't do it. I need you, O Lord, by grace through faith in Jesus. So, Father, thank you. We love you. We ask these things in Christ Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I was a little worried. I looked down.